the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. You know, imagine coming to a dinner. Let's say I walk in there and I'm ashamed to introduce my wife to anybody, right? I'm not being very faithful to my calling as a husband. When we are ashamed of Christ, when we minimize him and maximize the cares of the world, when we're a secret Christian, when we're in the insider movement of this culture where we live like the culture and not like a Christian should, we're ashamed of the gospel. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. He is faithful. I'm reminded that James says that friendship with the world is hostility towards God. And in James 4, he refers to those people whose eyes have been turned away from Jesus to the things of this world as spiritual adulterers. That's what's going on here. There's only room for one God in your life and mine. And we need to understand that. Look again at verse 24. No one, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You know what this is? This is sort of a New Testament version of the first commandment. Exodus 20 verse 3, verse 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord am a jealous God. Christ calls us, he calls you and he calls me to faithfulness, to a spiritually monogamous relationship, to let nothing come between us or him. And people can perceive that when we are committed to him. When we have committed our lives to him, people see our faithfulness. They perceive it. They sense it. They smell it. They feel it. They hear it. It defines us. We have no room in our lives for any other priority than God. 
He is the first priority. It doesn't mean that there, we don't have other things that concern us, but God is the defining priority. Our relationship with Christ is the defining priority because we have surrendered ourselves to his care. We are entrusting ourselves to his care. You know, our relationship with Christ, our relationship with God is pictured in the Bible like a marriage. You have the wedding feast of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. You have Israel de- described as the wife of God in the Old Testament. And you, just like you cannot be faithful to a spouse and another lover, no one and no thing can come between you and God. And when that is in place, when that is in play, when that is habituated, people see it. It's critical. That means that we're not ashamed of being Christ followers. You know, imagine coming to a dinner uh, get together. We had a, a wonderful time of fellowship yesterday with a bunch of people. Let's say I walk in there and I'm ashamed to introduce my wife to anybody, right? I'm not being very faithful to my calling as a husband. When we are ashamed of Christ, when we minimize him and maximize the cares of the world, when we're a secret Christian, when we're in the insider movement of this culture where we live like the culture and not like a Christian should, we're ashamed of the gospel. And Jesus warns us in Luke 9, 26 about this. If we are faithful, we will not be ashamed. What does he say in, in Luke 9, 26? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You see, we can't serve two masters. We can't have divided loyalties. We can't embrace the culture and minimize without minimizing Christ. We are not of this world, we are in this world, and you and I, all of us together, have been raised up by Christ for such a time as this, and he has given each one of us our own mission, and we are to live our purpose for the glory of God, for the good of others, and for our own growth. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We cannot serve God and the world with a divided loyalty. That's outside the profile of a real Christ follower. I once heard a a professing Christian on television being interviewed, and he said, you know what? My Christian beliefs do not influence my business decisions or my political decisions. I don't impose my thoughts or my standards or my mores or my morals on anyone else. And I thought, yeah? Who we are in Christ affects everything that we do. Faithful means nothing comes between a Christian and his or her God. Nothing comes between a Christian and his or her loyalty to God. I remember a number of years ago, a lady in our congregation came to me, and she was struggling. She was a believer. She was a widow, and she was in her late 40s, and she was dating a Jehovah's Witness. She was dating a non-believer. And she had a 16-year-old son, and she was worried about him, and this guy had sort of a calming effect on her. And she goes, you know, I would never turn my back on Christ, but I think I'm supposed to marry this man, I was like, well, you've already turned your back on Christ. There's, only, there's, not, there's not enough room for two gods in your life, and you've made your relationship with this unbeliever. You've made him your God in this case. You, there's no, you can't do that. It's outside the will of God. It's forbidden in Scripture. Faithful, faithful. Friendship with the world is hostility to God. And in James 4, he calls that spiritual adultery. And we want to be faithful. We want to be trusting him based on who he is and how he is we want to respond to his saving amazing grace with a loving loyalty that shows the world that there are some things more important than keeping up with the joneses which brings us to our next uh, trait and that's fearless or fearless and let me explain to you what i mean by that people say christians aren't sinless but they sin less 
Does that make sense to you, right? This side of heaven, we still are prone to sin, but as we grow in grace, as we grow in our relationship with God, we sin less than we did five years ago, hopefully. In the same way, those who are committed, have committed their care to Jesus Christ, those who have surrendered their soul to the Savior, fear less than they did. They're not as worried about stuff. Their faithfulness to Christ enables them, it calms their soul. Their relationship with God enables them not to be so worried about stuff. And we see this call to this fearlessness, to, to fear less in Matthew six twenty five. Let me just walk you through this, beginning in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he gives these examples from life. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? We know the answer to that question. He sent his son to die for us. And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, of you, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. We're not worried about looking cool. We're not worried. It doesn't mean that we're not concerned. And I want to I emphasize that. Perfect loves cast out fear. We all have concerns. But we're not preoccupied. We're not distracted. We're not anxious about how, oh, look at the way he's dressed. Look at the way she's dressed. Is that a flip phone? No iPhone? No, no Samsung? No, whatever it is. You're not worried about stuff. When you look at this passage, it's just amazing. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Knowing Christ, trusting Christ changes us from the inside out. It's not that our life gets easier. In many cases, it becomes more difficult, the slings and arrows and trials that this world throws at us. But it changes our thinkings about this life. We don't live a life of entitlement. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That means blessed are the unentitled, who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy and are grateful to belong to God. They know that their eternal home is set, and it changes everything from the inside out. We go from the Beatitudes to the public square here in this passage. We're not worried about clothes. We're not worried about this. We're not worried about that. We know that God is sovereign, that all things really, 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 really do work together for good, and that he never sleeps or slumbers or takes his eyes off of us. Knowing Christ moves us to restraint. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the self-controlled. We don't just fall apart. And people see this. They perceive this in us. Why? Because we're not afraid like we used to be of missing out, of not fitting in. We're not going to fit in. We're going to stand out in this culture. This is an upside-down culture, and we're trying to live right-side up in an upside-down world, which is the heart of successful kingdom living as we point people to Christ because we are different. God is transforming us from the inside out. He's taking a knothead like me and making me good for something, useful for his kingdom. That's just my calling to be a knothead, not yours, but I digress. But we are different. We are different. We don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses. We don't resent people for their wealth. You know, today, there's a narrative. If somebody is excellent and they have excelled and they have stuff and they have built wealth, 
they must have oppressed somebody else to get there. And, and, and you know, we, we don't appreciate excellence. We don't appreciate people striving for things. You know what that is? It's a violation of the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. You shall not covet anything that your neighbor has. You shall not resent him. You shall not envy him for it. You shall not try to take it from him. We're just different. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. We are not fearful because we are surrendered to a God who spoke and the universe leapt into existence. A God who sent his son to die to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. A God who has given us his word to guide us, his spirit to indwell us at salvation and to empower us to do in him what we could not do in our own strength, in our own flesh. We are not worried. We fear less. It doesn't mean we don't have concerns. I have concerns. You have concerns. Life is difficult. Difficult doesn't mean impossible. He calls us to replace worry with worship, to replace fear with trust and obedience. And he promises that we will enjoy a peace in him through him that surpasses all human understanding. Where do we read that? Philippians 4, 6 through 9. How many of us have memorized 4, 6 through 8 and not 9? What does it say? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Fear less. Do something constructive. You have a concern? Worry won't add an inch to your height or, or an hour to the span of your life. Go before the God of the universe. The only one who can do anything. Take that problem, that need, to the foot of the cross. And then what? Verse 7. And the peace of God, it talks about, which surpasses all understanding, will guard in your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Dwell on the good. Dwell on the fact that God has got this, that your Savior never takes your eyes off of him. And when you bow the knee to pray to him, when you bow your heart, when you pour out your heart to him in prayer, the king of the universe inclines his ear to listen, and you will fear less. You will be anxious about less. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Life is difficult, I know. Look at verse 9. Then what? Then do it all over again. What you have heard and learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things habitually, repetitively, over and over again, and the God of peace will be with you. There's your recipe for the sleepless night right there, how to deal with it. Don't worry. Pray. Put your trust in God. Dwell on his faithfulness. He sent his son to die for you. He's given you a church family to care for you. He's given his word to guide you and his spirit to empower you. Dwell on these things and the peace of God will guard and garrison your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, we don't want to be confused being fearless with being without fear. I'm reminded that the difference between a coward and a brave man is the brave man knows the costs, knows what's at stake, and does what he needs to do. He's faithful to his calling, and he overrides his fear as an act of will. A coward sees the danger, throws up his hands, and runs. You see that in war. In the Christian milieu, we know that this life is tough. We know that the culture is against us. We know God is for us. And if God is for us, who can stand against us? And we override our fear through our faithfulness. And therefore, we are able to not be anxious about tomorrow, 
but we are able to pursue God and his will and his calling on our lives. We are concerned, but we are not crushed. We are concerned, but we are fearing less and trusting more, which brings us to our third trait. The first trait was we're faithful, no divided loyalties. Second trait is that we fear less because we are surrendered to God and we know what he's done for us, what he can do for us, what he will do for us, and what he's called us to. And three, we are focused. We are focused, doggedly fixed and focused on his purpose, on his calling on our lives. Faithfulness and fearlessness enable us to focus. Where do we see this? Verse 33 and 34, look at it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know what that is? It's an application of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today today's strength for the day. Give us today today's bread for today. Give us what we need today to serve you today. Focused. Those who are faithful will demonstrate that faithfulness to him through their engagement in the mission that God has given them. God has, each one of you that he has saved, he has given gifts and abilities to serve him in a unique way, in a unique place for such a time as this. None of us, Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're all in the game and we're all on the field. And we have to be focused on the mission that he has. He has a purpose for your life and you are to live that purpose, focused. And we're not fearful. We're not distracted by our careers. We're not distracted by the world. We're not distracted by the opinion of men and women who see things differently and who vociferously, often vociferously oppose the Christian faith. We're faithful and we're fearless and therefore we are focused. Verse 33 again, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's the priority. Only room for one priority in our lives and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How is it possible to have that mindset? Because in in the betting world, they would say the fix is in. Our eternity is secure. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can take us and rip us from God's grip. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and no one can take you from my father's hand, from my hand. And my father who is greater than I, you cannot be ripped from his hand. And we're able, therefore, to make the main thing the main thing and not worry about all the junk, not, not succumb to all the confusion in this world around us, not worry about what people think, but seek to bring people to Christ, to so let our light shine before men and women that they may see our good works and bring glory to our Father who is in heaven. And this transforms us from the inside out. And we live right side up because we know how we're supposed to be. And because we love God, because he first loved us, we try to live out that love faithfully, fearlessly, and with focus. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We have a hunger for God. And, you know, and, and, and because of that, we can focus on the facts. You know, our feelings will deceive us. Feelings are like the weather. They change every 15 minutes. Feelings are like the tide. They ebb and flow. They come and go. Feelings are fleeting, subjective, driven by all kinds of situations and circumstances, but facts are unchanging. And Jesus Christ, your Savior, my Savior, our Savior, the Savior of the world, if they would have him, is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows what we can take. He knows what we can't handle. And he gives us the strength for the trial. 
He knows a word before it's even on our tongue. No matter where we go, he's with us. His hand is on us. And that enables us to focus and to stay focused because we are without fear that he's going to lose us somehow. And that enables us to remain faithful. And all this builds into our focus. And so we are focused because of how he is and who he is. We're we're able to live one day at a time on a need-to-know basis because of his character. We don't try to accommodate two masters in our lives. I love this in Psalm 27.8. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Here's a better translation of that. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Focus. That's focus. And it's that kind of focus, that kind of commitment to Christ, to his cause, to the mission that he has entrusted to our care that enables us to live unashamed lives. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of Christ. We're not ashamed of who we are or who we belong to or what he said or what took place in the Bible or anything. We're not ashamed of him or his word because we know who he is and we know, we know that he first loved us. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever might receive the gift of eternal life would have it. He offers salvation to everybody, no matter who they are or where they come from. But he only grants it to those who will receive it. Those who push it away do not receive the gift. And that's why Jesus says in Mark 8, 36 and 37, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world or forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? The junk of this world will not satisfy. There is a void in every human being in the shape of God and only he can fill it. And all the other stuff really is distraction. It pulls our eye, our gaze away from the Savior. We are to be living a life that's based on forgetting what lies behind. We press on to the prize that lies ahead. Focus helps us major on the major rather than minor on the minors. So what we have to ask ourselves is this question, is that us? That's where this has to be a mirror. You know, this has to be our reflection that we're looking at. We're not to be looking at other people through binoculars, putting their life under the microscope. We need to turn this mirror toward us and say, am I faithful? Am I fearing less? Am I focused? Or am I ashamed of the gospel? And, you know, he says, if you're ashamed of me or my words, I'll be ashamed of you, right? We need to use this profile as a mirror through which and with which to evaluate ourselves and our relationship with God and Christ and make the necessary adjustments that he will enable us to make because he who called us is faithful. And so in terms of application, I just want you to think about what you've heard today. Faithful, fearless, focused, and say, Father, is that me? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me where I need to change to become more like this and less like my old self so that I can be salt and light, so that I can, through my example and through my words, through my lips and through my life, share the hope of Christ with a world that needs it. Let me just encourage you to make cultivating these traits your priorities so that you can point others to Christ. Let me give you a resource here. I've put it up here before. It's a great book. It really is. If you're, you know, if you want to turn over a new leaf today, if you want to recommit yourself to Christ, if you want to sharpen your spiritual walk, this book, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's on Amazon. It's worth, it's worth the money because it will help you do all of this. In the meantime, next week we finish this discussion, the profile part two, profiling the real deal. In the meantime, let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, Help us to be found faithful at your return because, Lord, we trust you and therefore we're not anxious, we're not fearful, but we fear less. Help us, O oh God, to be focused on the call that you have placed on our lives, to live our purpose 
You have raised each and every one of us up right now for such a time as this. You've given given us gifts to use, a church to serve in, people to encourage us, your word to guide us, and your spirit to empower us, Lord. Help us to make these three traits and this profile three priorities in our daily living. Help us, Lord, to abide in Christ, to keep his word, and to trust him to do the heavy lifting. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.